The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good afternoon. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest is Adam Rose. How's it going? Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, um, since you're getting ready to uh, retire from the wrestling business, I know um, you're going to be wrestling a few more times for denim as well. Oh, this is it. This is it with denim? This is officially my last match. I have no more bookings after this. So this is it. So since you're finally retiring, Mm -hmm. where do you go from there? To normal life. Normal eight to five. And I love it, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely at peace with it. I had my time. I did my thing. I had a lot of fun. And, you know, things come to an end. There's nothing wrong with that. Life moves on. I totally agree with you. I mean, who knows? There may be even something more better for you out there. Well, I'll be honest with you. I think um, just normality is actually better for me. I do better in, in this type of structure than I did in that type. You know, there's a time for everything. There was a time to be in the hunt. There was a time to chase it. And, and then there's a time to just settle down. And I'm at that point in my life. And I'm happy with it. Yeah, um, let's talk about your good friends with uh, PJ Black. Yes. I've, I've had him on the podcast, and mm-hmm. he spoke very highly of you. Um, what's some of the good times and memorable moments and friendships you've had with PJ Black? Oh, we go back very far. I think I was 15 years old. He was 14 years old when we met in South Africa. His dad actually trained both of us. And I remember I first went to start being a professional wrestler, and they said I was too young and I was too little because I was like, I was 15 and maybe a buck 60. And the South African wrestlers were all 300 pounds and 40 years old. So I did not fit in. And I remember the first time I went, I spoke to his dad and his dad said, you're too little, you know, grow up a little bit, put in a bit of weight and come back. And um, I got a call a bit later on saying, come on in because my son's coming in and you can wrestle him. And so we basically got started together. We used to start all the shows in South Africa, like two kids come out there, hit our stuff and... uh, yeah, so we go back very far. He's uh, one of the few people I actually call a true friend in the business, so yeah. So um, when you guys finally came to the States, did you come the same time as PJ? No. PJ actually came first, and um, I'd actually retired already. I think I was 27 or something, and I'd already retired. I was doing commentary in South Africa. PJ did a tryout and got it, and he actually called me from the States and said, look, if I can get it, you can get it. He said, at least do a tryout so you know. So, I, I mean, I was trying to retire at 27. Yeah, I'm 40 years old, finally retiring. But anyway, um, so I flew out, did a tryout. It was me and 50 other guys. And um, of that tryout, I think Darren Young, Mason Ryan, um, a couple of others got signed immediately. And I was signed three months after that. So I came about a year after PJ. So how did you come up with the whole Adam Rose persona? Well, Adam was not what I was firstly doing. I was firstly doing um, Leo Kruger. And Leo Kruger had uh, about five or six different versions of that. And, you know, when, you, when you're starting out, when you're trying to get something that sticks and something that resonates with audiences, you throw as many things as you can against the wall and you see which one the crowd goes for. And the crowd, um, at one point, liked Kruger. Kruger had become somewhat bushwhackerish towards the end of it. And it was getting actually a really decent reaction at the time, which was FCW, not NXT yet. And, um, but we weren't getting called onto the road. And I remember Bray Wyatt had just gone up and um, the feeling was, because Kruger was creepy, we couldn't have two creepy characters coming up. Yeah. Right. I either had to be in the Wyatt family, or I just wasn't going to be. And um, at that point, they actually said, we either, either he's going up, because I've been in developmental for five years already, either he's going up or we're letting him go. And they said, you have two weeks to come up with something else, and if that works, we'll keep you on contract. 
And in two weeks, we came up with Adam Rose. And the idea was to get as far away from Kruger as was possible. And I think Adam was it. Wow, I know. And also, you had those famous signature lollipops. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how many lollipops did you own, actually? I don't know. Destroyed my teeth, though. I don't own any of them, actually. <laughs> WWE provided lollipops. I remember when I first went on, I brought my own. And then they got some deal with some lollipop company. And the next thing you know, there was just lollipops all over catering. There was lollipops everywhere because they had a massive amount come in. No, they were supplied for me in the WWE. And on the Indies, I had to supply my own. Yeah, and then you also had that little like party line that mm-hmm. followed you. Was that your idea or was that Vince's? There were many different, like the initial Adam Rose concept was mine and Dusty Rhodes's. Um, Dusty loved the Adam Rose concept. But when it was more party orientated, it was supposed to look like a nightclub literally emptied out into the arena. It turned somewhere into Sesame Street. Not sure how that happened, but the initial concept was it was basically an entire nightclub emptying out into an arena. And it was a bunch of different characters. And it was a way to introduce new characters. And I think Byron Saxton came up with the name Rosebuds. And then... The entourage at first was like 30, 40 people deep and it was crazy and it was, you know, really good looking women and fire blowers and all sorts of things. And then that turned into hot dogs and hamburgers and, and uh, <laughs> a bunny, which, which got some sort of reaction. And, but yeah, the, the initial concept was me and Dusty Rhodes and um, some other inputs from like Byron Saxton and that. And then WWE somewhere along the line, I still think it was around the time I did a Twisted Tea commercial. <laughs> at that point, I think we went Sesame Street. You did a Twisted Tea commercial. I, did, yeah. I never. What was that like? Terrible. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I what no was in your mind thinking it. of that? Well, it's Twisted Tea. I thought, right, this is a party, right? We could do this the right way. But somehow we, we brought Sesame Street to Twisted Tea, and it didn't work out very well. So, yeah. What was it like uh, to get to know Dusty Rhodes before he passed? I spent a lot of time with Dusty, actually. I mean, from the time I got to development in 2010, and I went on the road, I think... 14, 2014, 2015, I'm not sure. And um, he had a lot to do with me. And he definitely initially loved the Adam Rose concept, was not happy at all with the way it was delivered. And um, in fact, had a very angry conversation apparently with Vince about the way um, Adam ultimately was delivered in the WWE. So um, what were some of the good uh, times you had with Dusty? Was there any particular... Thing you guys did together or was there something some good advice he gave you that you still remember today the only thing i mean the main thing that you 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 get from even spending any time with dusty Rhodes is the man was just in another world i mean you just don't get people like that that often i remember when he started referring him to himself as the shaman for a while in, in uh, nxt and uh, just a really unique character extremely creative absolutely genius in professional wrestling and uh, i think honestly professional wrestling was hurt when he when he passed away. So, um, what's your thoughts on uh, the whole No Way Jose? Oh, I actually feel bad for the guy, and I'll and I'll say why. Um, I don't think having an entourage like that's helpful. I think it's distracting. Um, when when I had the rosebuds, the idea was to initially just do it like that, and then go, you know, not have it happen every week, and then it became every week, then it became a pain in the butt, and then everyone was tired of it. So I don't think that really works out. So I feel like he's been burdened some with, with that. I don't think that's a good thing for him. I think, honestly, he has more talent in-ring than what I did, and he has more possibility than what I did. But um, as long as he's burdened with that, 
It's not going to help. All right, I've saw some matches of you as well at Battle and Border, of course, everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, this one match, I thought you did pretty good. You were in there with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. What was it like to work with uh, Brian Pillman's son? Amazing. I mean, the kid's super talented. If 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 anyone's going to be a big star. Or, you know, if you want to watch someone that's coming up that's going to be a big player in the business, it's going to be Pillman. And I think everyone knows it. It's just a matter of time. He's so young. He's got every every little bit that's needed he has. He can work. He has a great look. He can promo. Um, he's got it. I mean, there's just nothing stopping him. Yeah, um, I filmed that match for Battle and Border. I filmed all the mm-hmm. matches, and I posted it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it got over 275,000 views. That's crazy. And all the compl- all the comments were about you. Some people thought you were uh, Luke the Bushwhacker. Yeah, yeah. And then I everybody do look a little different. <laughs> yeah, and then everybody else is like, I get Rick Steiner as well sometimes. Yeah, and then yeah. everybody kept on saying, "No, that's not Adam Rose. Yeah, that's yeah. an imposter." Well, I was always two hundred and sixty pounds. I'm not like two forty seven. I was at my most bulked when we did that. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't look anything like I did as Adam. I didn't look like Adam when I did Leo Kruger. That's what people don't realize. I was also heavier as Kruger and I had the facial hair as Kruger and uh, you know Adam, I had to change basically how I looked to look like Adam and then that's the face people remembered but that actually isn't what I look like or what I mostly look like. So um, um, when you were doing um, Adam Rose for a while and mm-hmm. you went back to Kruger uh, what decided you to bring back the whole Kruger on your last run in the wrestling business? What do you mean? When did I bring back Kruger? Yeah, um, you did Adam Rose for a while, and then after you left, you went. I think you went into back in the Indies. You were doing the Kruger. I did it for like one or two matches. That okay. was it. A lot of people uh, on the Indies. There's always been this impression that if I'd gone up as Kruger, I would have had a different outcome on the mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I've always said that Kruger was a great character. Um, but I was not big enough to pull Kruger off. I think Luke Harper could have been a Kruger. I think uh, I needed to be six foot six and you know three hundred pounds to really effectively pull the character off, and I just wasn't. I'm six foot one, and for me to carry two hundred sixty pounds is a lot of weight for me. Naturally, I'm probably around two twenty five, and that's not going to be a big creepy you know character. It's just not going to work. There was a detachment there, so I think um, a lot of people think Adam was the mistake, but Adam got me there. Without Adam, I wasn't going on the road. Kruger wasn't going anywhere. So I think I did one or two matches as Kruger just because people demanded it. But there really wasn't the big demand for Kruger when I left. And then another guy you got in the match with, I'm pretty good friends with, um, Mm -hmm. you uh, tangled with uh, Amos as well. What was it like to work with Amos? Amos, well, Amos has got some lucky victories on me. I think... uh, I just take him lightly and maybe in the future, well, I'm not wrestling anymore. So, Amos, I guess you win that one, all right? There we go. Take it home. Make a poster. Get a T-shirt. Whatever. Yeah, I think he's probably scared. I don't think he doesn't <laughs> want to get in a ring with you. <laughs> he's been lucky anyway, so move along, Amos. <laughs> <laughs> so what's yeah. your thoughts about the whole AEW, NWA mm. versus WWE right now? What do you mean NWA versus... I mean, there's more fans getting in NWA and AEW, and there's like a big conflict between the fans. I mean, uh, I think the main competition is probably WWE and AEW right now. NXT, WWE, and AEW, if you want to consider NXT a separate brand, but it's not really. Um, I think it's good for business. Uh, Personally, I think the more promotions we have out there and the more competition, the more places people have to work, the better. So it's all good. I think racing is actually in a really good spot. And I saw, like, uh, The Ascension and Luke Harp and Sin Cara got their releases. And I think they couldn't have asked for a better time to be released because there's so many good opportunities now out there. So I like the, 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 
the framework of racing right now. It's never been in a better position. Since you're retiring and hanging up the boots, um, if you weren't, have you ever thought about maybe reaching out to AEW? And no, get- I'm done. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, done. I'm just done. Thank you. I mean, I had a, I had a great time doing it. I did, but... You know, for me, it's also a matter of just knowing when enough's enough. And I'd rather leave, you know, at this position in my life and, and not keep on trying to chase the dragon, so to speak. That's true, too. Um, did you ever have any regrets in your career? Oh, plenty. I made so many mistakes. I was the king of making mistakes. Um, so I have a lot to fight for. <laughs> if you want to know what not to do, come ask me. I can tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody does. When you get from... NXT to the WWE, you really don't know how to handle that. It's a, it's a very different political framework. It's a very different environment. It's a, it's, a, it's a game that you don't really know how to play, and I didn't play it well at all. I mean, going if I could go back now, I'd do things so much differently, and, and it, it does. Most of it just rests on me not knowing how to do it. So of, of, since you've been in the business for a very long time, mm-hmm. what's one match that really sticks out to you today? You probably have a lot of great matches, a lot of memorable moments. Mm-hmm. I know you get this asked a lot. What's that one thing in your career that actually still sticks to you today? I had a match with uh, Justin Gable in Vegas. It wasn't, it was on a house show. And I remember, huh, uh, we were always told, you know, don't do too much. Just get through and get home. And uh, we decided one day we weren't going to do that. And we were going to throw everything we had into this match. And we had like 12 minutes or something. And we went out there and we killed it. We tore Vegas down. I mean, I remember it was so loud. My eardrums were reverberating from the reaction. And, you know, this is Justin Gabriel hadn't been on TV in a while. And I'm Adam Rosa. Who cares? But it shows that when we wanted to, we could still perform at this level. And obviously we made some people unhappy because the next night we were given three minutes. But (laughs) that's probably one of my favorite moments here. Yeah, he was, Justin Gabriel was a great talent. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. You know, he's having a good run in ROH, and I, I don't think it's the end last you're going to see of him. I think he's still got a lot more to offer. He's in better shape than he's ever been before. He's performing at a better level, level than he's ever done before. I think he'll be back. I got another question to ask you. I always ask this guest on my show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can change anything about pro wrestling today and how fans perceive it, what would you change? Uh, what would I change? Honestly, I'm going to sound like such a disgruntled old fart when I say this, but I would say more emotion and less flips is sort of where I would go. I just think it it gets uh, redundant after a while. So do you think in today's wrestling there's a lot of lack of storytelling as well? Oh, definitely. I think we're relying very much on, uh, on flips and relying on, you know, false finishes. And I feel like the emotion's gone. I totally agree with you too. Yeah. Um, do you um, miss the back like back in the day during the territories and all that? Do you mm-hmm. miss the whole kayfabe and the whole stories? No, I don't miss that. I think that was ridiculous. I don't think there's any way to go from that because you know we are what we are, and I think we're proud of what we are. And I think as a performance sport, um, it's, we're more respectable. You know, so no, I don't think kayfabe is necessary. I do think the business needs to be more protected than it is, and. Um, yeah, but I don't think you could ever go back there. Sometimes the sport just evolves beyond the point of return, and I just think that's it. I, I totally agree with you on that. That's yeah. why I wanted to ask and see what yeah. your input is on. Yeah. Um, since when you're not in a ring, you know, having fun, um, what do you enjoy outside the ring? What does Adam Rose like to do on his leisure time? I like gym. I'm really boring. I'm just going to be really honest. Everyone thinks Adam Rose is really exciting, and I was for a bit and got me in lots of trouble. So I'm not that exciting anymore. The party's officially over. But yeah, I like the gym. I spend a lot of time in gym, and uh, I like movies. And I honestly, I'm a homebody. I like being at home. 
So since you like movies, what's your favorite type of genre of film? Favorite type of genre? I used to be a horror buff, honestly. Really? But yeah, but not anymore. I don't think they make good horrors anymore. I don't think they can. I just feel like it's, it's been all played out. I think the last really good movie I saw was Joker. I thought Joker was amazing. So what do you think about Joaquin's Phoenix role on Unreal. The Joker? Unreal. Everyone's still, you know, I, to me, he, he owns it now. He, that franchise is his. Some disagree. Some people always do with the Heath Ledger thing. And I understand that. And the thing is this, too. you got to look at it. Heath Ledger didn't get an opportunity to just do an entire Joker movie. So you can imagine what he would have done. It was just a Joker movie. So, but yeah, to me, he owns it right now. Well, the cool thing I liked about the whole Joker film, that could really happen to a person today, which makes it real right? good. Yeah, yeah. And I love how, you know, you look through his eyes of what's going on, you know. Yeah, I think it's actually, it caused a lot of upset when it came out, too. Like, people were, like, trying to ban it at one point and stuff like that. And why were they trying to ban it? Because it's too realistic. I think they were, they were afraid of mass shootings and stuff from it. But that shows that our society has a lot of things to clean up. If this movie is a reflection of what's happening in society today, and we can't be scared of that. We have to face that type of stuff and deal with it. So if the Joker was like a, a real person today, and he, mm. if he was in the wrestling business, do you think you, Adam Rose would square off against the Joker? Uh, I'd rather not, honestly. If that was a real person, it's a fake fight, then yeah, I'm in. <laughs> hey, that'd be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, and speaking how you're saying you're like, we're big into horror films, yeah. what, um, what was the one horror film that drawed you in, and what was your favorite horror film of all time? Oh, I mean, I, I, honestly, I was a kid when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. The rest were all garbage, but the first one was pretty good. <laughs> and I remember that, I mean, just being obsessed with it, honestly. That was, believe it or not, before I got into wrestling, what I wanted to do was be a special effects guy. Uh-huh. That was my obsession as a kid. I wanted to do, like, special effect. That went nowhere, obviously. But um, that was my obsession. I used to get the Fangoria magazines. I don't know if you remember that from back yeah, then. Yeah, I did. Yeah. The Fangoria horror stuff. I used to get that a lot. So I think Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, was, was the one that got me into it. And then I just, I mean, I'm not really a huge fan of, like, um, like even Friday the 13th, there's some good ones, but most are trash, you know? And the stuff they produce today are just bleh, awful. I'm a big... The Halloween was all right. Last yeah. Halloween was all right, I'll be honest. Was all right. was pretty good. Are you looking forward to the sequel, the uh, last two sequels? Obviously. I am, too, and I love how they brought Jamie Lee Curtis back. She's yeah. such a powerful... I used to think she was so hot when, she, when I was younger, just be honest. Do you ever watch Perfect? Oh, yeah, where she's yeah, in an aerobic yeah. leotard? Yeah, that was uh, the moment I became a man as a child, was watching that. <laughs> that You're like, it's just like, I want to join an aerobic class just yeah. to have her as my teacher. Which is probably where I got into gym. <laughs> <laughs> just from that. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. No. She's still hot, too. Oh, she yeah. still looks good, yeah, and she's damn. pretty good shape. I mean, mm. she, like I said, she was like the first... Screen queen of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'm not a bad word about Jamie Lee Curtis. Kevin. So when you thought about before wrestling, you were going to get into you know special effects and yeah. makeup. Did you ever make your own makeup or anything like that? Oh, nothing that nothing that fancy. I think I just, if anything, I just enjoyed looking at the magazines and and stuff. Like I never got that far into it. Wrestling got me sooner. I think wrestling got me at nine years old. So any other obsession lasted very short. So um, when wrestling got you at nine years old, yeah. Who was the wrestler that really influenced you? It's like, I like this guy and I think I can do it. I can tell you this, right? The first thing I ever watched was NWA. And I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I didn't like the production. I couldn't tell you as a kid that I didn't like the production. I didn't like something about yeah. it. I couldn't tell you what it was. This spot wasn't flashy enough. And it was, I think it was uh, Kevin and Kerry Von Erich. It was, it was Kevin Von Erich versus Rick Flair in a steel cage or something like that. Got my attention, but didn't hook me. And then I remember uh, a friend of mine at WrestleMania 5. We got all, because it's South Africa, so we got all the WrestleManias way later than what you guys got it, like years later. 
And I remember watching the Hawk Foundation versus the Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine. And for some reason, the characters, the colors, all of the, the flash from it. And you could tell, look at the type of character I eventually did. It was all about character and color and ridiculousness. And that's the thing that got me into it. I just liked the flash. And the, it was just bigger than life. And that was the thing. I liked Hulk Hogan. I liked the Ultimate Warrior. I liked characters. I liked bigger than life people. Superheroes and villains. And that's the stuff that got me into it. That's the cool thing about pro wrestling. Because of all the wrestlers I've interviewed, yeah. they were either in horror fans, comic book fans, yeah. and everything we come in the same pool people yeah it, it's just great it's just like wa- watching a live you know uh, comic book or a movie yeah. you know sure. um, you probably agree with me I like to go to a show where it's a good story where I can just forget everything not worry about everyday mm-hmm. life something that's really going to really draw you in yeah and then also in today's wrestling it seems like a lot of young wrestlers don't want to do promos I don't think I mean I I in the old days, it used to be, if you couldn't do a promo, you couldn't be a top guy. You had to be able to carry yourself on a microphone to be a top guy. Nowadays, I think there's less emphasis on it. And I think the business is suffering for it because that's where a lot of the drama was told, is in the mm-hmm. promos. And um, also, I think because we've gone more real, promos have lost that over-the-top you know, excitement that had in the 80s and 90s. You can't do that stuff anymore. It wouldn't work right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's as much emphasis on it that it used to be. And I think it's a mistake. I think so, too. And what do you think about – I was a big fan of all the tag teams back in the day. It seems like there's not that many really big tag teams in the indies. Tag teams have been an up-and-down situation for years. I mean, I remember you had what? You had the Young Stallions. You had mm-hmm. the Killer Bees. Mm-hmm. You had the Heart Foundation. You had the Bolsheviks. You had – I mean, I could go on. I think they had a Survivor Series match the one time with eight tag teams on each side. That's how much talent they had in the tag team division. I don't have that anymore at all. And, I mean, that's just not something that's really that focused upon. I wish it was because there's, there's a lot of great, like, young tag teams out there. I would love yeah. to really see and push. And It's been, it's been uh, uh, up and down with tag teams for ages. Vince apparently is not a huge fan of them. So I think that's what affects the WWE on them. And then I also think at one point they regulated the rules too much. With it. I mean, tag team wrestling is great, but you can't be so strict on the rules that, you know, the double bump and feeds need to happen. And when you take that out of it, it loses a lot of its edge. Yeah, and also you're here tonight. We're at a future great wrestling arena tonight, and you're wrestling for Battle Border tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and also who runs this place is uh, Cody Hawk. Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts on Cody Hawk? Cody Hawk... Uh, as, I mean, I've met him a few times. I've actually worked here before, and he's a, he's a fantastic guy. He's got a huge amount of knowledge to pass on. So if you're in the area and you're looking for a decent wrestling school, if you're looking to learn from the guy who trained Dean Ambrose, this is the place to do it. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a fountain of information. He understands the business probably better than anybody or most people. So you're in the right place if you want to learn how to be a pro wrestler. Yeah, um, I heard you a little bit earlier. You were doing the seminar for some you know, young wrestlers that mm-hmm. you don't want to wrestle and are learning some stuff. And you were mentioning stuff about you know, like mid cards and how the audience pop. Yeah. Uh, how important is that? Well, I mean, I just like a lot of people, there's a formula to this. And there's a formula that, in my opinion, has been tested over and over again. And it works somewhat. And I just think there's a place for every type of character. There's a place for every type of person. And we shouldn't all be trying to be the same thing. And I think that's what wrestling is becoming. We're all trying to do the same stuff and be the same person. So who cares at the end of the day? Diversity is key. And at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a wrestling show. It shouldn't because if it's all just wrestling, no one cares really. It has to be a variety show. It has to be everything and more. It It has to be more than just sports entertainment. 
So what would some advice would you give for somebody that's young and green starting out today? Or young and green starting out today? I mean, shut your mouth, open your ears, and it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. That's what Hunter told me. And it's, it's something you've got to take your time with. And just when you think you understand it, trust me, you don't. I mean, I've been doing pro wrestling now for 22 years, and I still don't get everything. I don't. It seems so. like you're. Con- it seems like you're constantly learning yeah, from that's everything. What it is. You're learning from everybody. You're learning from every experience. And I don't think you ever really. It's one of those things that's continually evolving, so you never stop learning. All right. Since you're good friends with PJ Black, mm. I need to ask you this. You guys are good friends. You work together. What was the most crazy story you can tell me that you and PJ Black did? <laughs> All right. So. In South Africa, it's a little different here. All right, so <laughs> South Africa, we, there's less, there's less controls and rules and things uh, like that. So we used to have a thing when you started out as a professional wrestler in South Africa. I don't know if you guys know what toll gate is. You have a toll gate, right? You pay a toll gate. Yeah. So if you were new, there'd be like six wrestlers in a car, and you get the toll gate. The new guy has to get out, stripped down, and we'd drive about a mile, and he had to run through the toll gate and get there. <laughs> so me and PJ did a fair amount of that. And so I just remember running, you know, butt naked through toll gates with PJ quite often. And uh, that's sort of how we got into it. You know, that stuff's gone now because it would be on fucking social media everywhere. Sorry, I dropped the info. But it would be on social media everywhere if you did something like that nowadays. But yeah. I bet you PJ probably is not afraid to he's, tell he's that gonna story. He's going to deny it. That's what I think he's going to Yeah, because I'm, defi- I'm definitely going to tag him <laughs> yeah. in this. Uh, I mean, like this. Uh, there was an interesting story about Adam Rose and PJ Black uh, running through toll gates. T- toll gates. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just us. It was all new guys. <laughs> I forget to run through toll gates naked. So what's like the wrestling scene in Africa today? It's up and down, uh, touch and go. Um, Gabriel right now, PJ himself, he's a part of this thing called Slam Force, which is huge. Mm-hmm. They just had a big show out there. They brought RVD out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's RVD's girlfriend and Katie, whatever. Yeah. They brought her out there. Sorry, I forgot the name. Terrible. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. They speak too much. Anyway, so she went out there. They, they brought out a bunch of talent. Then they had um, another promotion run really so close to them. I think AWA ran something. They brought out... Uh, West Briscoe and okay. uh, Amber Nova and uh, what's his name? Big guy from Nexus. Tarver. Okay, Tarver. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they brought, they brought those everybody out and that just happened. So I mean, that's good for wrestling. The turnout wasn't as great as I think anyone wanted it to be. But it's like anything, you've got to groom it now. And um, so there's things happening there. It's good stuff. I, I wish more emphasis could be put into the training of local South African wrestlers, though, because there's some really good talent there, but they don't have the right platforms to to study the craft. Really, um, has any other African wrestlers have ever reached out to the states besides you and PJ? Um, Angelico, believe it or not, who's AEW, uh-huh. is partly South African. He's not fully South African. Mm-hmm. I think he's half Spanish as well, but um, he's like half South African. I'm not sure. I, we met a few times in South Africa. Uh, besides me and PJ, uh, the guy, I, I know a few that went for tryouts. Mm-hmm. That they were going to sign a guy with the name of Anunzi at one point, and then he had back surgery, and that was the end of that. He came right after me, actually. He was about to come, and then he had back surgery. He's a super talented guy, but unfortunately, injury stopped it. All right. Thank you for coming out of your busy time to Thank come you. on to the show. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you very much. And, and if PJ denies that story, I promise you it's true. <laughs> it probably is. He'll probably just say the same thing. Yeah, he it's like, he'll, he'll, be, he'll, be like, it, yeah. he'll be like, Adam's full of crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. And everybody else, thank you for listening to the rest of the podcast. Good night.